0: All right, are we ready to get to work now? Philippians chapter 2. So all the fun stuff is out of the way. 11, 12. All right, so I got about 30 minutes. Let's see if we can do this. Philippians chapter 2. So we've been talking about what uh, the past few weeks, minus last week. Last week we took a little pause. Because of uh, the fall festival, but prior to that the first the, the other two weeks prior to that what, what have we been talking about? the mind of Christ, mind of Christ. okay, so as we have um, kind of uh, we've looked at the mind of Christ, we, we even talked about how um, when uh, like like Oswald chambers said that that Um, God gives us a spirit of Jesus, so on, that when we accept Christ into our life, God gives us a spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. But he doesn't just give us the mind of Christ. It's not like, okay, here, it's part of the package deal, and here you go. No, we are called to construct this mind of Christ. It's not something that's just, again, just given to us. It's something we have to work at. So we talked... um, about how the mind of Christ is something that we need to be able to see so we can then imitate. We talked about the one encounter with Jesus and the Samaritan woman in John 4, and we observed a few things from that encounter. Just to refresh your memory real quick, we talked about having a focus, like Jesus had a focus when he went through Michigan, I mean Samaria, Oh! oh no, no, there's a Samaria in Michigan. We drove through it. Oh. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> We're on the highway. Did you, t- you need to take pictures? No, I didn't oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Your phone might have blown up, right? <laughs> so, that, that's awesome. I didn't know that. You learn something every day. Um, if you would ask uh, Ogre, he would say just Google it and you would have found that out, right? God, loves God doesn't love Google. Um, <laughs> So, so, Jesus had to go through Samaria. It was necessary for him to go through Samaria. And while he was there, he had this encounter with this woman. And in this encounter, we talked about just a, a few different things. And three things that, that I, I pulled out um, a couple weeks ago was the, the confidence in which Jesus had because of he was going, what he was doing. He was confident in uh, the mission, the, the will and the work of the Father. But it, being confident, he was also focused on that will and that work of the Father. And being confident and being focused, he was obedient through all of that. And we see that, that under, having this understanding that this mindset, that our actions that come out of our mindset, that it does matter. You've heard me say it a thousand times, because the way in which we think determines the way in which we feel. The way in which we feel determines the way in which we act. Okay. If we want to act right, if we want to act godly, if we want to resemble Christ in our actions, our mind has to change. What does our mind have to change to or have to be constructed to? The mind of Christ. It has. It's just funny how God works. It's like he has a plan, and he has a purpose, and he has it all figured out. Too many times we think that our ways and our ambitions and our um, uh, uh, mindset is good enough. Well, I'm doing this and I'm doing this or, or um, I, well, God must love me because uh, the, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm serving in this area or I'm giving this much or whatever. Well, that's not what God wants. God wants all of us, not just a behavior from us. We tracking so far? Yeah? So... We talked then in Philippians chapter 2 about what this looks like. We talked about what the mind of Christ is. Today what I want to do is I want to shift gears a little bit and I want us to see how to pursue the mind of Christ and what that's going to look like and what we need to um, guard against and what we need to do as far as actions are involved. So, Philippians chapter two. We'll just let's recap uh, one through eleven real quick, and then I really want to focus on twelve through um, eighteen uh, for the the remainder of our time. The, the apostle Paul here he says, "So if there is any encouragement in Christ, it's not like there isn't any encouragement. He's like identifying there is because there is. If there's any." Comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So this is where we get this this construct started here. He goes right into, have this mind among you, and then he gives us warnings. You see the warnings? In my Bible, I highlighted them, because I need to remember this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Okay, so right off the bat, he says, okay, have this mind among you. What does this mind look like? Well, it's counting others. It says doing nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit and counting others more significant than yourself. This is one of those moments in our... American dream mentality, we go, wait a second, that doesn't line up with, with, with what society tells me. Count others, count others more significant than yourself? What about me? No one raised their hand in here, but how many of you, when you read that, you think, well, okay, what about me? And if you didn't have that thought, maybe that I was the only one in the room that had that thought. What about me? Because I want to grow in my relationship with Christ. I want to have this mind. And he's telling me not to worry about myself. Well, I think what Paul is doing here is he's setting the standard. He's putting a milestone, a marker saying, okay, our default mode is to say, what about me? Our default mode. And when I say that, our, the way in which our DNA is made up, being human we have a tendency to, uh, of, of uh, uh, defaulting to self preservation. Paul's saying, be aware of this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. And I read this and I'm like, man, that's just hard to swallow. But I love how he doesn't just stop there and it, it goes on because he gives us then um, a little bit of rope. He says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Okay, so he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but, you know, ha, ha, or see or um, count others more significant than, than, than yourself. So the, the mindset is, well, that stinks for us. Well, am I just not supposed to worry about myself? I'm, I'm supposed to focus on others. Well, he then goes into saying, let each of you look not only to his own interests, So he's making it clear that yes, we need to look at our own interests, but not only to our own interests. So don't get hung up here and just like dismiss everything that's being said of this. Do nothing from selfish ambition and 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 counting others more significant than yourself. Like I'm supposed to put everybody else up on a pedestal and just kind of take the crap into the stick. It's not what Paul is saying. He's saying this mindset in which we are to have, which we are supposed to continually construct, is one that is showing that I'm not just focused on me. Why is he saying this? Well, this helps us understand our relationship with God, I believe. Because too many times when we, we are self-centered, we are focused on me and what, how the world is, is reacting or not reacting to me. What we do is we take and put our self in the middle of everything and think everything else revolves around us. When everything else revolves around us, what's going to happen? Chaos. Why? Because we cannot maintain the what do what do they call it the the, the orbit the the pool that like the sun has I'm actually talking about the physical sun that the sun has on all the planets so they can orbit in in in, um uh, um pattern around the sun we we don't have we don't possess that just in the same sense if our life is not focused and centered on Christ. The orbits are going to get, then get kind of oblonged and kind of get honky and funky, and orbits and planets are going to start smashing at each other. We cannot be in the center. It doesn't say Jeremiah in the center of it all, right? Be a beautiful song. Maybe not. <laughs> Do not download that song. Um, Jesus in the center of it all. Why? Because it's Jesus that holds all things together. Why? Because he created all things. It's like he knows what he's doing. So this is that mindset that the the, the Apostle Paul is, is helping us construct right off the bat here. Have this mind among yourselves. Which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of his servant, being born in the likeness of men. So he's saying um, God was God. Jesus was God. And and I think I I touched on this briefly a, a few weeks ago. But he took on humanity. Jesus never, and hear me when I say this, never ceased being God. He did not take his divinity and, and, and put it on the shelf where he was no longer divine, and then he picked up humanity. He maintained his divinity, but he added humanity to it. That's where we understand that Jesus is God, but he's also man. He's the God-man. 100% God, 100% man. Deep theological understanding. It's, it's, it's really cool um, to, to sit down and kind of dissect all of this But understanding when we have text, like in, um, I think it's uh, 1 Timothy 2, 5, where it says, uh, for there's one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, no one else. It's only Jesus that goes between us and the Father. It's only Jesus that takes our prayers. It's only Jesus that can bridge that gap. So when we have understanding or have that text that says that why is it only jesus that can do that because he was fully human but he was still fully god he's the only one that can bridge that gap we track it so far okay so born in the likeness so he 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 took on the form of a servant so he humbled himself um, to uh, not just look at his own interests but taking on the form of a servant, he, he served others. It talks many times about what Jesus did for others. I, I think that the, one of the greatest is seeing the um, picture of Jesus washing, washing the feet of his disciples. He took that form of a servant. That is, is a leadership model in which the church should take. The leader should serve the people. At the same time, the people need to take advantage of the leaders. And I think that that's where we come in sometimes and we have this mentality of give me, give me, give me, give me. What can I get? What can I get? What can I get? And you're not putting anything back into. That's not the mind of Christ. That's selfish ambition. That's conceit. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Humiliate, uh, humiliating death. Therefore, love those words, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Understanding that this is every, not just some, not just believers, every knee is going to bow. It says, on heaven and on earth. So standing on judgment, every knee is going to bow in front of Jesus and say that he is Christ. He is Lord. But not every knee that bows is going to have the same eternal um, outcome. Because some that are going to finally have that encounter with Christ saying, wow, he is real, it's going to be too late. Those of us who are brothers and sisters in Christ, it's going to be a time of a great reckoning. Awesome. You are Lord. I can't wait to spend eternity with you. That should be motivating for us to go out and tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ and not be worried about, well, I'm, wondering, I'm kind of concerned what they're going to say to me. All right. Again, you're not in the center you're not, in, you're not here where um, the world revolves and, and everything revolves around you. Christ is. How about you just tell about Him and if they reject Him, they're rejecting Him, they're not rejecting you. You're just told to go and told to tell. Verse 12. Where I wanted to get. So all that's introduction. We holding in there? Hanging in there? Anybody got pee? You got to hold it. Uh, yeah, because you ain't going to want to miss this. Verse 12. If you're taking notes, this is where we're going to get the, get the title of um, the sermon today is, The Mind of Christ is Active. That's the, the only point that I want to get out. The mind of Christ is active. Therefore, again, love those words. Therefore, why is he saying, why is the Apostle Paul saying, therefore? What did he just say in, in 10 and 11? Where's Jesus? High and lifted up, highly exalted. He's on the throne, right? He's saying, since Jesus is on the throne, since every knee is going to bow to him, since um, at, at the, the judgment seat, everybody is going to stand in front of him. That's what he's saying, therefore. I like the the slang for that, sensuous, right? Sensuous up, grab me a sandwich. We we talked about that. Therefore, since all of this just happened, since I just identified all of this, my beloved, who's he talking to? The believers. Very important here. Because if we don't see the the object of, of his focus here, We have a tendency to take this verse way out of context, and it gets kind of jumbled up and confusing. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, pause. So therefore, brothers and sisters, I'm talking to you, church, therefore, since you've always obeyed, is Paul saying like they never made a mistake and they always obeyed Christ in everything that they've ever done? No, what he's saying is as, as you've always obeyed, he's talking about that, that, that they've always um, had, since the time that they put their faith in Christ, they've continued their faith in Christ. They've been obedient to him. They've, he is still high and exalted. He's high and lifted up. He is in the center of their life. That's what he's focusing on here. This is what he, he, he is um, telling us or telling the church here. Since you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I, I, I love this because he, he, he builds them up. He says, okay, all right, church, since you've obeyed, since, since you've focused, you're focusing on Christ, since, since this is a reality in your life, so now, not only when, when I, whenever I'm with you, not only when you're just in church, not only when you're just around other men and women, brothers and sisters in Christ, so now in my presence, not only my presence, but in my absence, when you leave church on Sunday, when you are at your job, when you're at your home, wherever, when no one's looking, that's, I think that's the biggest thing. What are you doing when no one's looking? Because when no one's looking, the one who really matters is looking. And that's where that intimacy comes in. What am I willing to do that, that I'm, not, I'm never going to get credit for? What am I willing to do that um, maybe no one's looking, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna tend to do something bad? Well, what am I going to do knowing that God is looking on? You, you've heard me say this. I think this is one of the, the, the trans the trans. Um, forming points or, or transformable, is that a word? It is now. Transformable points in my life was if you're going to do whatever it is you're going to do would you do that if Jesus was standing next to you? That transformed everything I did. Do I, do I fail sometimes? Yeah, sometimes I do. Sometimes I need reminded. But it, it changed everything that I do. Because the the, the reality is, he is there. Because if I'm professing him, he's not only standing beside me, he's inside me. So he goes where I go. Can't get away from him. Let that just penetrate, because that's what's going to make you think different. So, not only in my presence, but also in my absence. This is where it gets all freaky. People see this and it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Wait a second now, I'm confused. Because the Apostle Paul, in many other places, says that it's by the grace of God that we're saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not your own doing, but it's a gift of God. So, wait a second if this kind of contradicts itself then doesn't it on the on the, on the surface some think that like well I can't how, how am I supposed to do this I'm not supposed to work for my salvation now he's saying here work for your salvation I'm confused let's unmuddy the waters real quick here for by grace you have been saved that's what Ephesians 2 says, says 8, 9 right around in there so you've been saved by grace okay What is grace? Grace is, we talked about it in Sunday school this morning, grace is unmerited favor. It's nothing you have done, nothing I have done, for God to choose me. That's what grace is. So it's not like you work, i got to work my way to Jesus. No, God has... Given you what you need, you have to receive Christ, absolutely. But there's no work that's involved. It's not like you, it's a work based salvation. I'm, and I'm hoping, I, I'm, 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 I'm inserting a little bit of angst in here because you're looking at this, this text and it says, wait a second, it says work out your own salvation. I'm hoping you're getting a little edgy here. We're ready to stone the heretic, right? Hold on a second, hold your rocks. It's abundantly clear throughout the whole context of Scripture. It is God who wills into and works to save individuals. So what is Paul talking about here when it says, work out your own salvation, fear and trembling? First, this word for work, the, 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 this workout, this Greek understanding of this workout is just Awesome. What it means in the original text, it means to bear down to the ground. That workout, it's bear down to the ground, okay? So it's getting down and dirty. Remember, who's he talking to? Believers. He's already identified them as believers, he's already identified them by being obedient. This is how we can help understand this, this text because we don't want to proof text where we just grab a text and it says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling and set this on a shelf and we would like, whoa, I don't know what to do with that. He's talking to believers. He's already identified who they are, where their identity is. So he's saying this work out it would be the, the illustration that just popped into my mind. It would be um, uh, 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 um, accustomed to or akin to, um, let's say, uh, uh, what's the term here, guys? Semester, or, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It, it, accustomed to Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime. So he's already buff and beef, but he would still have to bear down to the ground and work out to maintain what he's got, right? To continue in that. It, don't hear me like I'm because I'm using a bad illustration like we can lose our salvation. I'm not saying that. What I want us to look at is at the front end of this is like since you are, since you are saying and since you are professing Christ as Lord in your life, bear down to the ground to work this out. We have to work out our salvation. What does that look like? It means what we're doing is not in selfish ambition or in conceit. We're looking to others we're, we're, we're looking at others more than we're looking at ourselves. We're still working on ourselves through all of this. But it, it, it's saying, okay, I'm going to bear down to the ground. I'm going to work out this salvation, this act of being saved. Understand that, yes, there is a time in which you go from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of light. That is regeneration. That is the time in which you trust Christ. And We have, we've trusted Christ and said, you are Lord and God of my life. But th- then from that point on, there's this thing called sanctification that we continue on in until the day we die. Me personally, I believe it continues on even in eternity because as the Apostle Paul says that the training in godliness is not only good for this age, but also for the age to come. Whole other sermon. But what we have to focus on is this working out our salvation should be a reflection of who we are. If you are claiming Christ, there should be this desire in you to work out this salvation by displaying His light and His love throughout the world. Let me throw a little bit of a, an asterisk. This is not asterisk-free checking, okay? A little asterisk behind, beside here. Not everybody's intensity is going to be the same. Not everybody's... I, I pick on Brian a lot. Not everybody's going to have the intensity of Brian. Not everybody is going to have the quietness of Ben. Right? Everybody is going to be different in the gifting that God has given you. But we still have the same calling to tell people about Jesus. So when he says this, to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, this is not the fear that some people default to and say that I've got to be fearful of God because he's going to lightning bolt me. No, it's fearful because where where is God? Where did did Paul say Jesus is? High and exalted. His name is above every name. I I, I heard a, a, a preacher say one time, when, when talking about this fear and what it should be, yes, we should have fear of God, but there should be a couple other fears or three other fears um, encompassed in this fear of God to help us understand this a little bit better. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse uh, 17. 17 through 19, real quick, it says, and if you call on him as father who judges impartially, impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not by perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So if we're called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, looking at fear in God, I, I like to look at this text, and I like to see where it says, if you call on him as father, again, who's Peter talking to here? Believers. If you are saying, I'm calling on him as father, I'm calling on God, he is my father. If you're identifying, as, if you're identifying yourself, as your, if your identity is wrapped up in him, This is who who he's talking to. And he says, so if you call on him, he tells us there's something that we need to do. What? No, look at the text. Right after the comma. Conduct yourselves with fear. Conduct yourselves with fear. Same fear. It's the Greek word that we get phobia from, phobos. Same fear that Paul is talking about. Conduct yourselves with fear. Where? When? Throughout the time of your exile. While you're on earth. Before Christ takes you home. Before the Father says, okay, it's time to go. Let's go. Conduct yourselves with fear. I love the the, the wholeness of this text because it it tells us some, some fears that we should have. Fears of that we should have. Three fears of, that we should have uh, in conducting ourselves. First one, fear of trashing the Father's name. Because it says, if you call on him as Father, if you're, so if you're saying that he is God, if he is the Father, he is a creator of, of all, you're identifying yourself with him. So the first fear, fear of trashing his name, the father's name. Or how about let's even go kind of put a little bit of a, a bullet point underneath that. How about um, trashing the fatherhood of God? How do you trash the fatherhood of God? Well, how do you disrespect your father? You don't listen to what he says. You don't do what he's instructed you to do. That would be trashing the fatherhood of God. Second thing, fear of trashing the blood of the Son. Look, look where it, it says there um, that, uh, that we're not ransomed with, with perishable things such as silver and, and gold, but, of, or, but with the precious blood of Christ. When we don't conduct ourselves with fear and we're working out our salvation, and our lives are um, uh, showing God's love and God's glory, we have a a tendency to be trashing the blood of Christ. What do you mean trashing the blood of Christ? Trashing the blood of Christ is knowing a sin in your life and not doing anything about it. That's saying, okay, I know what you did on the cross, and it's good for most sin, but it's not good enough for my sin that's trashing the blood of Christ because that's the blood in which we were bought with, we were ransomed with, we were brought into God's family with. Nobody's situation in here or on the face of the earth is exempt or is too great for the blood of Christ. But when we, through selfish ambition, through conceit, by elevating ourselves like we know better than God we say, well, yes, that's good for everybody, but not for me. We're trashing the blood of Christ. That is, should be impenetrable in, in, in our, um, our construct of the mind of Christ. We shouldn't let what is going on around us have that, that, that force that power to trash the blood of Christ. What we need to do is when sin is identified, we got to do something about that. Because if not, are we really calling on Him as Father? Then the third thing, you see where I'm going with this. I'm going with, with like a Trinitarian uh, view here. So we talked about the Father. We talked about the Son. What about this? Trashing the work of the Spirit. What do you mean trashing the work of the Spirit? Well, I think the the most um, evident way in which you can trash the work of the Spirit is not using the gifts in which God has given you. Not using the gifts in which God has given you. Everybody's gifted different. If you're not using the gift in which God has given you, the Holy Spirit can't manifest and show himself through you because you ain't doing it. And Jesus is very clear in saying, okay, you're going to be measured by the measure in which you use. If you don't use it, I'm going to take it away from you. But I use it on my, for myself and in my personal time. The gifting that God gives us is for the edification of the church, to build one another up. It's not for selfish ambition. It's to count others more highly than yourself. You see where this mindset is going. Do you see that? So understanding the the conduct in which we're supposed to have of um, uh, working out our our our, our salvation with 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 fear and trembling is one that's God centered, God focused. And I love how Paul goes back on. he, He continues this. Go back to Philippians chapter two. Because here's the the misconception. All right, so I've got to work out my my own salvation with fear and tremble. Okay, I got to do this. I got to change some things. I got to do this. I can do this. Yes, but. What do you mean, yes, but? You just told me I have to do that. Yes, but. If you set out to do this on your own, you will fail. Well, that's not very encouraging. Exactly. It's not. Because if set out on your own to work out this fear or work out your salvation with fear and trembling, you can get too focused on, look what I've done, look what I've done, look what I've done, instead of saying, look what he's done through me. Look, look what this, how Paul follows this up. Because we notice that verse 12 ends with a comma, it doesn't end with a period. So work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. How can I work out my own salvation with fear and trembling? How can I do this? I'm jacked, absolutely, but God is in you. Brother, sister, believer in Christ, God is in you. This this word here where he's he's saying um, that it's God who works in you, this is the same root word where we get um, energized. It's energio, energio. So we get the word energized from. Think of Energizer Bunny. Keeps going and going and going and going. So if it's God who works in you to do what? Well, to work out the salvation, your, your, your salvation with fear and trembling. But two. Look what he says both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I love that. Remember we focused on that a few weeks ago about Jesus' focus was to do the will and the work of the Father. He says, that's the bread in which I, 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 I've eaten, I, I've consumed. I'm not hungry anymore. I've, I've got what I need. I got the sustenance. This is what Paul is telling us. It's, it's God in you. He's doing his will. And his work, too many people stop there though. (sighs) Yeah, God's doing his will and his work in me. But they forget the last part of that where it says work, his work for what? His good pleasure. What is the litmus, the litmus test in which you can say, is what I'm doing, is the work and the will in which I'm doing, is it what God wants me to do? What is that litmus test? Ask this question. Does this display God's glory? What is God's pleasure? God's pleasure is to display His His glory, His own glory. That's what is pleasing to God. Not what Jeremiah has done, or Bobby has done, or Jake, or Regina, or or Sarah, or anybody. It's not what they've done, but is that displaying God's glory? God looks at that, is that displaying my glory? If that is displaying my glory, that is for his good pleasure. Your standard, my standard, is not me, nor is it the people around us. It is what God has set for us. This is where, when Paul talks about since you've obeyed, since from the beginning you've obeyed, what is it that we're supposed to obey to bring God his glory, to do his good pleasure? What has he told us to do? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Go and make disciples. I'm glad somebody said it, right? Go and make disciples. So that starts with telling people about him. I don't know what God wants me to do. He wants you to tell people about him first. That's hard. No, it's not. Well, yeah, it is. No, it's not. It's only as hard as you make it. I've talked to a number of you in here about different things. I mean, we, we, do, we do life together. I've heard... Um, let's just, we'll just pick on one. Your favorite restaurant. Most everybody in here has told me what they, their, their favorite restaurant, or if they visit a restaurant that is awesome. We even see throughout Facebook what is going on that's spectacular in your life. Your favorite restaurant, or, or your kid did this, or I got this at work, or Whatever. If we get that excited about things that are going to pass away, why would we not get excited about the eternal things? That's what just blows my mind. We are so wanting to promote things that are temporal and so much, or or things that that are accepted by society, how about things that are accepted by God? God. That doesn't be, mean that we become a track Nazi and, and we go and we were just bombing Facebook with, Jesus loves you every five minutes or w- whatever. No, but how about the same intensity that you put into your friend to get them to uh, go to uh, this movie with you or go to this restaurant or, or, or whatever, that same intensity that you use on them for that, why can't we use that same intensity to share about Jesus. Because if you think about it, if you love someone enough to, to do life with them now, why would you not want to do life with them then? It, it, it's like you have to, you have to come into um, uh, contact with this. You have to confront this. Well, I don't want them to feel awkward, or I don't want to feel... <laughs> okay. Let them have a beautiful life here. Set them up and make them feel comfortable so eternity they can be uncomfortable in hell. That's the reality. If if you're saying, I claim Christ, if I'm calling him my father, if we say that, and then we're just going to kind of like, well, I don't want to push him, or I don't want to push her. I'm, I'm not saying being stupid about it. But what, are you, what kind of steps are you taking to communicate that to whoever that is in your life? We talked about evangelism this morning in, uh, in uh, Sunday school. Evangelism, the, the pursuit uh, 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 of persuading, you know, having a conversation with someone, persuading them to believe in Christ. It's not, it's not up to me if they believe or not. But I want to give my persuasion. This is what he's done for me. This is what he can do for you. Is it going to be easy? No, not going to be easy. I've got about 45 more minutes to go, but here's the deal. I'll end with this. Verse 14, because I have to say this, because this good pleasure that that I just focused on is to be manifested in all things. He goes right into verse 14. Paul says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. I mean, we can go further on later, but all things. All things. He just gets done saying that he's working in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. Okay, so what does that mean? Where do I need to manifest that? All things. Everything. In the Greek, this is awesome. You'll love this. In the Greek, you ready? Get your pens out. All, you know what that means? All. Everything. I know, kind of corny, right? But seriously, everything. From the way in which you love your wife, from the way in which you love your husband, from the way in which you parent your kids, from the way in which you interact with people at work, everything. Are people going to say you're weird? Yes, they are. But the last time I checked, they mocked the one who was on the tree. Well, if you can save others, why can't you save yourself? Big words. Big words. understand we got a bigger God let's pray if, if if you're here today and I mean you you've heard what I said and you're like well I got questions. Fantastic. Love questions. Because with questions, you get answers. But maybe the question that you have is, you know, I've never heard it said like that, and, and, or maybe I've always heard the, the fluffy end of it, that um, well, people can believe what they want to believe. It all, it all doesn't really matter in the end. Well, God is, is very clear that um, it does matter. Because as real as heaven is, hell is just as real. My burden is I don't want to see anybody go to hell, especially those around me. So what am I doing to display God's glory to them? What are you doing to display God's glory to them? I'm not a Bible guy. I don't know how much. I'm not asking that with what God has already given you what He's already gifted you in, the time, the talent, the treasure, whatever it may be, how can you display His glory? Get that mindset about you because if we're talking about pursuing the mind of Christ, our our pursuit has to be to glorify Him in all that we do. Our Father God in heaven, God, we thank you. God, we love you. Uh, Lord, we ask... um, that we can have this time just to to reflect on You, on Your Word. God, I I, I pray that as we um, go forth from here that that, that we take what what has been given to us and apply it. God, let us not only just be hearers of the Word, but be doers. Lord, let, let us construct a mind that is glorifying to you in our actions. God, I pray if there's someone here that doesn't know you, that they'll come to know you, that you'll draw them closer into you. Lord, we love you. Uh, God, also... uh, I want to pray for uh, those who are sick, that need healing, those who um, aren't with us today, those who, uh, for some reason, uh, that are, are, are kept away. God, I know that there's many um, reasons that are going on, things that are happening. God, I pray that you bring them back to us. We thank you, Lord. God, we also pray for the offering those who are going to give, those who want to see your kingdom uh, go forward, knowing that, that you have plan and purpose, that you have your will and your work to do here inside of this church, inside of this community. God, bless the giver. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and end in worship.